Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you'll find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows to do the same. This is not a grief group. This is your journey, and it just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of your loss. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of the book, Widowed, and of The Widow Coach. I'm also a professionally certified life coach. Let the healing and the personal journey back to who you are begin. Welcome. Welcome, you guys. We're at episode 92, and um, today I want to talk about something that I think I'm going to call thought blindness. I saw an interesting email this morning that came from, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I'm going to remember the site right. I think it's apartment therapy. I like to get their emails because from time to time they'll have articles on how to sort through something in your house and get it cleared up or how to add something to your garden. I, I just, I really liked it. They were talking about um, washing your baseboards. Hang in there with me. I've, I've got a point for this one. And they said it's very much like when you become nose blind to your house. You know, if somebody's house has a funny smell, if you've ever experienced this, you, you go visit someone and their house has this funny smell and they don't even notice it because they've lived with it for so long. It's like, no, our house doesn't smell like the dogs. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, it does, um, in your mind. They become nose blind to that smell because it's just been there for so long. And this article about your baseboards and your walls was saying that you become wall blind. Okay, because you've looked at your walls and your baseboards and you're actually not even looking at them anymore. You're just walking right by them. And I've experienced this, especially when I've gone to rearrange things in a room or, you know, really get down and look at things. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> I've really been living with all these smudges on the white front door for how long kind of thing. And yeah, then just get out like a rag with a little cleaner and I find that all just wipes right off. If you've ever gone around and just wiped up your baseboards to get the dust off and, and wipe off a few scuff marks and then you walk back in that room and you're like, oh my gosh, it is so much cleaner. How could I have not noticed that for like the last three years? That it was looking so bad. And that's what they were calling wall blind. Um, so, you know, and it's true that it's like we become so accustomed or so adapted that we no longer see what's right there in front of us. And I think that's what happens with our thoughts over all the years of our life. We become so blind to what our brain is actually saying to us. you know, I was watching, um, something on TV the other night where the, a gal had climbed up one of those climbing walls. You know, you see those walls that have like the big plastic footholds and hand grips going up and you can like clip a line to your belt and then you start climbing straight up this wall. 
and she had climbed up it just fine. Her problem was when she got to the top of the wall and she was frozen, frozen at the top of the wall. And of course she was saying, this is so ridiculous. I know this is ridiculous, but I can't let go. I can't come down. At that point, you're supposed to just take your hands off the wall, grab onto the line that's attached to your belt and kind of repel your way back down the wall. And she just couldn't do it. And the person talking her down really had to overcome her thinking because that's what was creating the blind fear. That's why she was frozen at the top of the climbing wall, right? She knew it was ridiculous, but she couldn't let go. And she couldn't even see the thought in her mind that was keeping her frozen. But ultimately, it was her thinking keeping her frozen in place. That's what happens when people like freeze on the side of a cliff. It's all the thoughts they have about what's going to happen if they try to make one more move. And it keeps them just frozen there. When talking them down, you have to convince their brain that it's safe to move like one foot down to the next little foothold, right? And really the person on the ground that's talking them down is convincing them that it's safe to do that. Their brain is telling them, if you move even a fraction of an inch, you're going to fall and die. <laughs> really, the brain is saying, we're going to die. So just stay here forever. And the person on the ground is saying, it's okay, I can see there's another foothold like right below your right foot. So if you just gently slide that off, it, you're going to be fine and slide your foot down, you'll, you'll feel the next one. And doing that, they start to get them to come down off the wall. But it takes changing what they're thinking in their brain for them to be able to make that first move and then the second move and then take a hand off the wall to grab onto the climbing rope, right? So often we are overwhelmed in our intense emotion and we don't even see the thinking that has us there. We are frozen in our life just like being frozen up on a climbing wall. We're frozen in our life. No, and we know we are, but it feels helpless to change it. Fortunately, it's easier to do a thought download when you're stuck in your life than it is to pick up a pen and paper while clinging to a climbing wall. <laughs> okay, but that's what you need to do. Now, just like the person on the climbing wall needs somebody to help talk them down, sometimes you need a coach in your life to help talk you down off the wall, to start helping you see the thoughts in your brain that's keeping you frozen there, right? And, and making you realize that it is safe to take one little tiny move. That's what a life coach does. That's what I teach widow coaches to do for widows. You want to, in doing a thought download, and you can do this for yourself. It might be easier if you are working with a coach 
who can go through all the thoughts that you download with you or help you look at those thoughts. Um, of course, you know, the coach is going to become someone so trusted in your life that you would share these things with them, things that you don't even want to share with yourself, right? And we'll talk more about that because we hide from ourselves so much. So when you ask yourself what you've been thinking and you're going to sit down and you're going to write out all your thoughts on paper, don't try to fix your thoughts. Resist the temptation to clean them up so that they sound nicer. It's just natural instinct. We all want to do that. We all want to kind of filter our thinking, even though we're not telling it to anybody else. <laughs> Maybe this is something you are not showing to anybody else. As a matter of fact, after you've had that piece of paper around with your thoughts on it for a, a day, you're going to crumple it up, tear it up, put it in the garbage, make sure nobody else is ever going to read it. But you have to be honest with you. And that can be the hardest part of all. We tend to want to, if we have a negative thought, we want to jump to the positive thought right away. We want to go, yeah, but I think this, this, and this, but yeah, but I, you know, I know that if I go out and take a walk, it's going to make me feel better. We try to fix it right away. When you're doing a thought download, you want to develop a level of self-awareness, right? You want to be completely honest with yourself at that time, maybe the first time you've allowed yourself to be a hundred percent self-aware and the way you can achieve a high level of self-awareness is to learn how to become an observer of your own mind and behaviors. And how do you become the observer? It's almost like you're stepping away from yourself. You're like saying, okay, I am outside here and I'm going to look back into my mind and just observe what's going on. You become that observer when first you decide to be really curious about what it is that is making you tick. You're going to be really compassionate with yourself. You're going to recognize you're a human being as perfect as we like to feel we are. Human beings are a little bit imperfect and all of us have these little imperfections. There's no exception, right? So you want to get curious enough and compassionate enough with yourself that you can just be brutally honest about what's going through your mind. And for me, it helps that I recognize my mind is like the computer of my body. It's not necessarily who I am. I know it's not because when I have nightmares, my mind creates some stuff that I would never as a human being choose to dream. So I know my mind is a computer that's just working through stuff and images, right? It's like defragging the hard drive in there when I'm asleep at night. It helps me understand my brain is one of the most eloquent computers on the planet. All of us, our brains are the most powerful computer on the planet. And we can stand outside of that and we can 
watch what it does. We can observe the sentences that it plays in our head, right? There are some things that we're afraid to say even to ourselves. As widows, we have a lot of stuff like that, right? Maybe, and I think this is true for a lot of widows, they have anger at their spouses for having died, for having left them in the kind of situation that they are left in. And they stuff that down. They don't want to even admit it to themselves because they're like, my, my husband, clearly he didn't have any control over what had happened to him that he died, right? Maybe in a case of suicide, but even suicide, I look at them not really being in control of that because there are things going on in the mind and chemicals going on in the mind that are way out of line of who that person really is. So you're feeling angry because your spouse died, maybe in the middle of surgery, maybe in a car accident. And you're thinking to yourself, how can I be so angry at him? He had nothing to do with that car accident. He was broadsided by somebody who was speeding maybe, right? But it doesn't matter. You still feel the anger. And until you can admit it to yourself, you're not moving past it. Maybe there are suspicions after your spouse's death that things were not always what you thought they were. I've, you know, heard this. I've talked to a widow where she discovered there was another woman and there had been another woman for years. I've talked to a widow that said, I thought he was taking care of all the, all our expenses and money and that we had the savings account. We had the retirement account. What I didn't know is he had put all the money in on this one thing and lost it all. And we were really on the verge of being destitute. And I had no idea. So you feel anger over that. When we hear it in our minds, when there's something that we do not want to admit to ourselves and we hear it in our minds, it may be like the faintest whisper in our mind because we've been burying it for so long, but it impacts our heart in a huge way. So maybe you buffer so you don't have to feel it, right? You pour a glass of wine or you grab a box of cookies. Potato chips are usually my choice. <laughs> well, maybe you zone out in front of the TV. We turn off our awareness. We stop being honest about how we feel and who we are. And a life in hiding is no life to live. It's hardly a life at all. The truth is, most of us have lived this way on some level for decades, like just kind of tuned out on us. And we don't value our own words. We're not valuing our emotions. We're not valuing our brilliant minds. So get curious about what makes you tick. That way you can decide what to keep and what you want to change or discard. You can sit down with a notebook or a tablet 
and start writing down your thoughts as fast as they come. And don't stop. Don't stop for two minutes. Fill up a whole page. If you can't even get started writing down your thoughts, at the top of the page, you can write down one thing to start writing thoughts about. Sometimes for me, I'm just writing at the top of the page. I feel really bad right now because, and then it's like, go. Why do you feel bad right now? And then I don't filter. I don't stop thoughts that seem to have nothing to do with what I've been writing about. You know, I might get halfway through and suddenly my thoughts are off on some other tangent. I just go with it. I just keep writing them as fast as they come. Once you do that, you can then review it. Look at the stuff that, you know, your brain has been playing. These, this is like a little record, these little sentences. They're neuropathways that play like a record. You can set it aside for a few hours and then come back to it and review it again. You know, when you've had a couple hours to step away from it and then look back at it again. See how every sentence makes you feel. Really notice. Because it's from these very sentences in your mind that your emotions come from. So when you see one sentence you've written down there and you read it, you let your mind think it, notice how that feels in your body to think that sentence. Does it feel re reassuring? Does it feel disappointing? Does it feel really fearful? Then I want you to realize that all the sentences in your mind are optional. This means you truly do get to pick and choose what you want to keep and what you don't want to believe anymore. God gave us free will. It means we get to believe whatever we want to believe. How amazing is that? Just think about that sentence for a minute. Like, really think about it. Because it is a truth that we get to believe whatever we want to believe. We can believe anything we want to believe. You want to believe in Never Never Land? Go there. <laughs> it's what we get to do. What we decide to believe absolutely shapes our life and our world. Shifting a belief, shifting a belief can actually happen in an instant. There are times that you just decide. Often we have to sneak upon it, right? You have to sneak upon a really big belief to change for yourself. And sometimes, for me, changing a really big, deep belief about myself takes stages. First, I'm thinking, maybe I can believe that I can do that. Like, if I want to make more money, maybe I decide, you know what? I'm tired of just like looking at life squeaking by. And when you expect to make just enough money to squeak by in life, that's what you make. If you expect that you're never going to be able to cut it, then you don't. So maybe I want to shift my belief to a place where I believe that I make more money than I actually need. Like 
money left over each month. What a concept, right? But I can't just say, oh, I make more money than I need when I'm not actually seeing that in my bank account. But what I, where I can start with that is thinking maybe I can believe that I can make more money than I need. Like maybe I can believe that I believe it. Right? That's kind of where you start. And eventually, as you move into that belief and you start telling yourself that it's a possibility and you start thinking, wow, it really is possible I could do that. And by the time that you move into certainty, when eventually you know it's inevitable that that's going to happen and you feel certain of it, that's when it's there. Right? But until I can feel certain of it, I won't be making it. And once I am certain of it, there it is. You know, Wayne Dyer said this. You know, he said it's so cute because we used to say, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, the old saying, and he twisted it around to say, when, I, when you believe it, you'll see it. But man, that was like truth. And I have proven it to myself over and over that that's exactly how it works. When you believe it, then you will see it. And it's almost like simultaneous. When I put a specific figure that I wanted to try to make in one month, and then when I hit the month that it actually happened in, I didn't feel like, whoa, look at what happened. I believed it. I really felt like, well, of course that happened. Because by then, I knew it. I was certain of it. I was like, well, sure, I, it was inevitable. I could see it coming. I knew this was going to be. People who decide that they are going to make a million dollars and then they go out there and they get really creative and they find ways to achieve this. They convince themselves they're doing it. They even go tell all of their coworkers and their friends and family, I am going to make a million dollars. And then they get to the end of a certain time period where all the reports are generated and they look at it and they made a million dollars. Do they feel like woohoo and jump up and down and I'm so shocked? Look at what happened. No, they're kind of like, well, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did that. Like it's no big deal. Hard to believe. I know if I suddenly checked my bank accounts and I had made a million dollars, I would think I was over the moon. But the truth is, it doesn't happen until you completely expect it. When you're certain of it, when it just becomes fact in your life, in your mind, then it does become fact in your life. So this is how, as widows, that we can begin to change the stuck, frozen place we're in. And we can start moving beyond that thought blindness where we really don't even know what it is we're thinking. We're like, I feel this way. I feel so depressed. I feel so lonely. And I have no idea what it is in my head that makes the loneliness come. It's because we're thought blind, just like People with smelly houses become nose blind, just like we can become wall blind because we don't pay attention to our baseboards. 
we become thought blind. And the way to overcome the thought blindness is to become compassionate about yourself, to become honest with yourself, to learn how to observe and start that by trying a thought download about something, anything about a way you're feeling, about a situation in your life, write it at the top of the page, do the thought download, and then take a look at the sentences your mind has been playing. It becomes very clear when you do that why you're feeling the way you're feeling. It becomes very clear about why your life is what it is when you see what it is you tell yourself all the time that you've not paid attention to. So self-awareness, start paying attention to those thoughts. If you want to be able to learn more about doing this, reach out to me. My email is joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at joannethelifecoach.com. Don't be afraid to email me. I'm like just a person, just like you. <laughs> I get happy when I see people email me. I'm like, oh, look at this new person. I'm going to love talking to her. So don't be shy. Reach out if you do want to know more about that. If you've been um, in my widowed book club group on Facebook and hearing a lot about the widow coaches class and the, the women in there who are certified widow coaches that have gone through my course, um, you can jump to widowcoaches.com and put in your name and your email address and get on my list to find out more about that. So go have a fabulous week. Pay attention to your thoughts. Don't beat yourself up for them. Oh my goodness. It's okay for whatever our, our brain is playing, right? Don't get upset with yourself. Just allow it. Get curious about it and understand that you don't even have to keep that thought. You can believe something differently. So do that and I'll talk to you all next week. 